Hello, Forgotten Events listeners. Welcome back and happy 2021. Our story today takes place at the turn of the 20th century. This is the story of the Italian Hall disaster. Okay, guys, we've all heard the saying, never yell fire in a crowded theater, right? Well, that was never as meaningful as the day someone yelled fire in a crowded hall. The Italian Hall disaster of 1913, it was a senseless tragedy. It occurred on Wednesday, December 24th in Calamay, Michigan. 73 men, women, and children were crushed to death in a stampede when someone falsely yelled fire at a crowded Christmas party. The Calamay and Hecla Mining Company, better known as CNH, was the single largest copper mining company in the copper country in the Keweenaw Peninsula of Northwest Michigan. One of the longest strikes in the copper country took place in 1913 and included all CNH mines. In 1913, there were about 15,000 men working in the mines, and the WFM claimed 9,000 of them as members. The membership voted in favor of demanding union recognition from management and asked for a conference with the employers to adjust their wages, hours, certainly the working conditions in the Copper District of Michigan. The membership also voted to declare a strike if management refused to grant the members a conference. After the vote was held, the WFM sent letters to the mines demanding the conference. The mine managers refused the request, and the strike was called on July 23rd. That strike would not end until April of 1914. The miners and the mines were still at a standoff on Christmas in 1913. And what a disaster this whole thing would turn out to be. On Christmas Eve, the Ladies' Auxiliary of the Western Federation of Miners, WFM, sponsored a Christmas party for the miners and their families. The party was held on the second floor of Calame's Italian Hall. And just to set the stage for you, Inside the building was a very steep stairway leading up to the second floor, this being the main way up and down. There was a marked fire escape, very poorly marked, on one side of the building and ladders down the back of the building, which could only be reached by, of course, climbing through the windows. So the incident began when there were over 400 people in the room and someone yelled fire. Although there wasn't a fire, no one knew that for sure. And as you would expect, people panicked and rushed for the stairs. In the confusion and hysterics, 73 people, including 59 innocent children, were all killed. To date, there has been so much debate about who cried fire and why. 
It is conjectured by some historians that fire was called out by an anti-union ally of mine management just to disrupt the party. But there was more confusion. In the coroner's inquest, witnesses who did not speak English were forced to answer questions in English. And most witnesses were not asked follow-up questions. In fact, many of the people called to testify had not actually seen what happened. And after three days, the coroner issued a ruling that unfortunately did not offer up a cause of death. And in March of 1914, a subcommittee of the U.S. House of Representatives came to the Copper Country to investigate the strike and to take sworn testimony from witnesses. This would last an entire day. No less than 20 witnesses testified under oath, and this time were offered interpreters. Eight witnesses swore that the man who first raised the cry of fire was wearing a Citizens Alliance button on the front of his coat. Citizens Alliances were state and local anti-trade union organizations, and they were prominent in the United States during the first decade of the 20th century. A common story regarding the tragedy states that the doors at the bottom of the Italian Hall stairs opened inward. And according to that story, when the fleeing partygoers reached the bottom of the stairs, they pressed up against the doors, preventing them from opening and, of course, causing people to be crushed. But all photos of the doors suggest a double set of doors with both sets opening outward, not inward. There was a book written, because you know there's always a book, titled Death's Door, The Truth Behind Michigan's Largest Mass Murder. It pointed out that the doors were not mentioned as a contributing factor at the coroner's inquest or the 1914 subcommittee hearing or in any of the newspaper stories of that time. That book also included blueprints of the building, which were drawn by an architect, showing the locations and configurations of the doors, the staircase, and the landings. So one can understand that if the doors actually opened inward and everyone was pushing outward, how incredibly tragic that would be. In the aftermath, a relief committee made up of Alliance members collected about $25,000 for the aid of the families affected by this disaster. After the first wave of grief had passed, while there was still bitterness against the company, it was considerably greater against the Citizens Alliance, which opposed the union and the strike. It was widely believed that the individual who yelled fire was wearing an Alliance badge. Western Federation of Miners President Charles Moyer, who publicized the accusation, absolutely refused to retract it. The bereaved families would not accept the committee's money, saying that the Western Federation of Miners had promised them aid, real aid. The New York Times reported that Alliance members who served on the relief committee learned that Moyer had forbidden them from taking the funds. And here's where it gets crazy. The Alliance members who served on the relief committee visited Moyer at his hotel in Hancock. They shot him and kidnapped him. 
They placed him on a train with instructions to leave the state and never, ever return. After getting medical attention in Chicago, Moyer held a press conference where he displayed his gunshot wound and promised to return to Michigan to continue the work of the union. Okay, let's fast forward to October of 1984. The Italian Hall was demolished and only the archway remains. A state historical marker was eventually erected in 1987, but the marker incorrectly stated that the tragedy was partially caused by inward opening doors. That has never been confirmed. Ella Reeve Bloor was present at the disaster, and she puts forward her own version in her autobiography. Her telling, though, is a little problematic. She claimed she was near the stage when the panic occurred, but witnesses could not be found that saw her there. Some critics claim Bloor's version of events in 1913 is just simply untrustworthy. Bloor claimed that Big Annie Clement led the funeral procession for the victims carrying a red flag. All other accounts say that it was an American flag, so the stories continue to differ. The event was memorialized by Woody Guthrie in the song 1913 Massacre, which claims the doors were held shut on the outside by the copper boss Thugmen. The disaster generated a fair amount of scholarly debate, if you will. Take, for instance, historian Arthur Thurner's Rebels on the Range, the Michigan Copper Miners Strike of 1913 to 1914. It raises the possibility that there might have been a fire in another part of the hall, perhaps in the chimney of the building. The strongest argument against an actual fire is that none of the investigations found any witnesses who would claim there was actually a fire. As an example, the fire log of the Red Jacket Fire Department also specifically states no fire. There was no remnants of a fire. So in closing, as I mentioned before, there was a book written titled Death's Door, The Truth Behind Michigan's Largest Mass Murder, and there was a follow-up to that book. It was a second edition, and in the first, the author did not identify the person that yelled fire. However, in the follow-up book, the author not only names the culprit, but includes his occupation as well as evidence to support such claims. Thank you for listening to Forgotten Events. We appreciate our listeners so very much. We wish you a very happy new year, a healthy new year, and a peaceful 2021.